Lifestyle choices and environmental factors impact your brain health and the physiology and psychology of your mental health. When you're ready to turn your brain on to get your game on, listen to In Your Head Radio. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. Thanks for being with me today. Today I've got Nellie Harden, and she's a wife of 22 years and a mother to four growing teenage daughters. And although she grew up in the Midwest, she has landed in coastal North Carolina. She's an author, a speaker in the space of family life and leadership, and focuses on helping parents love and lead their teens and their tweens in a way that teaches them to love and lead themselves before they leave home. She does this by building unique and strong foundations of worth, esteem, and confidence. Her background's in biology and psychology, from humpbacks to humans, and she has invested decades of her life into personal family, faith, and leadership development. Most of all, she believes the best way to change the world is through one living room at a time. Nellie, thank you so much for being with me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So it's such an interesting time for our our teens and our tweens. And there's there's certainly so much going on in our in our world around us that it makes parenting a really hard job. Yes, I could not agree more. I was I was just discussing with somebody this morning who's also raising daughters today said parenting is hard, parenting young women is hard, and parenting young women today is very hard. <laughs> And, you know, I think that at the Brain Performance Center, we work with young women. We work with women of all ages. And to hear them reflect back on their teenage years now when they're older adults, I think that it's gotten harder and harder and harder. What's your take on that? Well, I couldn't agree more. I mean, myself, I and my entire life has enveloped into the work that I do now. And so my own story is, you know, uh, has become the work that I do now. I didn't really have this foundation of worth, esteem and confidence in talking with so many women that are parents or, you know, in their thirties, forties, fifties, seventies, et cetera. Now, you know, when you don't have that foundation we are released out into the world to then chase our worth everywhere that we can find it. And some women are chasing their worth with relationships, some with academic accolades, some with careers, some with, you know, uh, 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 volunteer opportunities, what have you. But many, many, many times chasing worth leads down some very negative corridors that then I know for myself led to decades of needed healing after that. And so then here I am a woman that was an adult that didn't have these foundations built in me yet of worth, esteem and confidence. And then I was placed in the humbling responsibility of raising four daughters and looking at them and understanding brain chemistry and their psychology and and faith and culture, understanding now is the time to do this when their frontal lobe is still, as you know, right, it is still laying down the tracks and it's malleable and it's formable right now versus as an adult when 
so many things are, are more set, then it's much, much harder. And so I knew that I had a mission in front of me for my own children to go ahead and do this. And in 2012, I was just really called to say, okay, you've learned how to do this for yourself. You're, you know, you're doing it for your children. Now you need to go teach it. And so that's what I've been doing ever since is doing that. But you're so right. It's very difficult to look back and see what happened. You know, what did I have built in me? Why did this happen? Taking responsibility for yourself and even, you know, difficult situations, but then turning around as a parent today and saying, okay, what can I do to put actual legs, tangible legs on some of these more, you know, airy ideals? Like if I could ask any parent out there, and I'm sure anyone listening to this and say, do you want your child to leave home and their childhood, their 65, 70 is what I call it. That's how many days are in 18 years. Do you want them to leave home with self-worth, self-esteem and self-confidence? Of course, everyone is going to say yes, absolutely. But then when it comes down to it, how do I tangibly actually do that? And that's what we get to do in the 6570 Family Project. Well, it's interesting because you're right. Oh, absolutely, I want that. But we don't always take it a step further and say, well, what am I going to do to make that happen? And right. don't you think that's that's necessary from the parents? 100% is necessary. I mean, we have been assigned to them. They have been assigned to us. And this, uh, you know, the first half of childhood, we're really building life for them, right? We're dictating to them. This is what you're eating. This is what you're wearing. This is who your friends are. This is who, you know, you love. This is where we live, etc. But in the second half of childhood, we, it's a partnership, it is the life training arena right there that you come alongside them. You're a team. You are still the team captain as the parent, but it's more of a partnership where you are teaching them life. And this is where my background in my animal work, both in the wild, in the field, and in captivity came so in handy is, is it gave me a perspective of the true purpose of childhood, right? And minus the much more messy, complex world of humanity. But the true purpose of childhood is to raise an adult that is equipped and ready for the world. And it's such a beautiful thing to then take that very simple black and white, you know, nature of childhood, but apply it to the much more complex world of humanity and help them. But yes, you're right. We as the parents are the ones that have been assigned as their trainers, as their guides during this time to get them to this position where we can love and lead them in a way that teaches them to love and lead themselves before they leave home. Well, you know, in the teenage years, by the time they get to that part, they've got their own opinions. And oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, to me, that's when it gets tricky because, you know, by the time when you start first grade, you're still doing pretty much what your, your parents ask you to do. And you don't even think about it. It's like, OK, sure. Then when you get to these teenagers, no, no, thank you. I don't really think that's what I want to do. What do you advise parents when they run into that resistance? How do you get past that barrier? Honestly, having the conversation. So 
that what you just said, you know, running into that barrier, I advise you not to run into that barrier. I advise you to have a conversation and ask their opinions. And that opinion asking starts early. The earlier you can start that, the better. Now, my husband went through a massive health crisis um, back when my children were four and under, which is what really catapulted me from using all of my, you know, background and career in psychology, biology in the animal world and moved it to the human world. And, um, but my point being that, you know, even back then, my oldest daughter was four. I had twins that were two and I had a newborn and my husband is in and out of the hospitals at that time. And so I had to ask opinions. I had to ask for help and we started working together. And so she knew my words are valuable. My ideas are valuable. And as in the second half of childhood, right? And adolescence can start, it's different for every person, but it can start anywhere. I mean, really like six to 12, six to 10 um, these days, especially. But you want to ask them what their ideas are. So if you, if you hit some resistance, ask the question, why? Why do you want to do it this way? Maybe, just maybe, their idea is even better than yours. And when that occasionally happens, they're like, wow, I am valuable, right? What I have to say is valuable. And when you can take that and use their idea sometimes, it makes the times that your idea is the better one or your way is the better way that much more at ease with the family. And so, yeah, uh, there are five pieces of self-worth that every human that ever has been, is, or will be strives for, and it really makes up their self-worth. And that is, I want to be seen. I want to be heard. I want to be loved. I want to truly belong somewhere, and I want to have a purpose. And when we can help our children fill those needs of self-worth from the inside out, instead of like the world likes to tell us over and over again today, fill them from the outside in. But when we can teach them how to fill them from the inside out, but first showing them in our homes uh, that you are seen, you are heard, right? You belong here. You truly belong here. You're wanted here. You know, you're loved and you have a purpose in your role in our family. Then it really breaks down some of those, you know, typical teenage barriers that you run into out in the world today. I know when I had my daughters, I had four daughters in four years, you know, I, I had so many people come up to me and say, oh, you just wait until those teen years. And I was like, oh, well, thank you, as I'm carrying and, you know, <laughs> fumbling over car seats everywhere. And um, but I just was like, you know, those are going to be beautiful and precious years. Are they easy years? 100% not. But are they joyful years? Yes, they can be. But you just need to work with them instead of against them. Absolutely. And that's easier said than done. My kid, Both of my boys are, are grown. And it, it, looking back, I can still, you know, I can still feel some pain around some of those decisions and that process. But for, for our listeners that are out there, 
that maybe for whatever reason, no judgment for whatever reason, but for whatever reason, the time hasn't been right for them to really move into that role and say, hey, it's what am I what can I do to equip you? What can I give you? What will help you for those that haven't had the opportunity to do that? What do you advise them? Well, I think you, you know, hit the nail on the head right there and just asking, and it's going to take you being vulnerable first. I mean, it's all about us leading in order to teach them how to lead themselves. And so we have to be vulnerable first in order to have them be vulnerable back to us and tell us what they need. And so one of the um, uh, tactics that I highly recommend for every parent is to have one-on-one time with your child, each one parent with each one child. And that way you can start to get to know each other. And it's not just, I'm the parent, you're the child. It's I'm a person and I'm your mom and you're a person and you're my child. And I want to get to know you and I want you to know me as a person, right? It's very, very easy for kids and especially in the teenage time to look at parents as authoritarians, right? They're sitting on the throne telling me, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this, instead of seeing them as the person that they are. And vice versa, too. It's so easy as a parent to look at their kid and just say, they're driving me crazy. They're such a, you know, quote unquote, teenager. They're doing, you know, all the things in the teenage playbook and driving me nuts. I want to get out of here. Right. And instead of seeing them as a developing person. Right. And so having that one on one time is something I really encourage everyone to do, because there's going to be things that are said and shared in one on one time that aren't set around even the family dinner table or in the car ride home or what have you. And so for my family, just to give you an example, we have four kids. And so every Tuesday night and Thursday night, we have a half hour, 45 minutes where we break off and we're with one of the kids. And then the next week we switch. So it alternates. So for my, for an individual, one of my children, they know every Thursday night at nine o'clock, I'm with mom or dad, depending on the week. And it's such a fun time. We can, uh, we can have fun. We can, you know, create things. We can go for a walk. Sometimes we've had to have really hard, uh, difficult conversations during those times. Sometimes they're awkward. Sometimes we're both tired and we just like lay there and, and look at the stars or whatever that is. But it is just a special time that you can have together. And even if that time at the beginning just looks like, let's just sit together, right? Let's just, you know, uh, a lot of people love those adult coloring books because it's methodical, but it's also creative, right? So you can do something like that. You could do a puzzle together. You could just take a walk. You don't even have to talk necessarily in the beginning. But just knowing, having your child know, I'm here. And I'm here because I choose to be here. And I choose to be here because I choose you. And it helps them break down some of those. Um, there was one time that my one of my daughters 
was having a particularly difficult time with a sibling of hers. And we had come back and uh, we were actually out of, out of state on a trip and we had come back and she was being really rude to one of her siblings. And I could tell something was going on, but she just didn't want to admit it. And she was just, uh, you know, um, lashing out at me and being harsh and things. And so when we got to our destination, everyone went inside and I said, let's just go ahead and sit here. And she's like, I don't want to, I want to just go inside. I was like, I understand what you want, but I'm telling you what we need to do is just sit here for a little bit. And we sat on the driveway in the middle of the night. And for the first 15 minutes, it was complete silence. And I just let her know, I'm here for you. And we're going to sit here and we're just going to calm down. And then after a while, she realized I wasn't going anywhere. And then she was able, you know, the, the scales were able to fall off and we were able to have a genuine conversation. But you got to be able to have that patience to wait it out and get through the angst to get through, you know, the true emotion that's happening on the other side of that. And that's got to be compli- <coughs> complicated with poor girls. Yes, it is. I feel like there is always a constant, you know, emergency happening and one of them going around. So me as a mom, I'm I am I'm running around from, you know, putting out one fire to another to another to another to another all the time. But for them as individuals, they don't see it that way because they only see when their fire is lit, you know, uh, per se. But yes, as a mom, it is hard. But Here's the thing. Parenting, especially parenting adolescents, is going to be hard no matter what. So you can either be in the consequence merry-go-round of hard where you're speaking, there's a power struggle that ensues or a silent treatment and isolation and you throw out a consequence and then they either abide by it or they don't and then something else happens and there's a bigger consequence and it's just this constant merry-go-round that's going around and everyone is exhausted and miserable. Or there's the hard that you choose that says, we are building this and we are doing it together and I am here for you and we are going to have conversations about this because there are lessons that you need to learn now that your future self is begging you to learn now in order to set you up for success. Both of them are difficult, but one is going to just release your child into the world and one is going to launch your child into the world equipped and ready. Um, you know, a great example just to give is, you know, maybe your dog goes out into the backyard and the gate is left open and the gate is left open and they are released and they just go out and run amok, right? Versus a dog that is trained and has obedience and kindness and respect and things. And I know I'm definitely anthropomorphizing a dog here, but my point being that gate opens and they go out and maybe they just stay on the driveway or they stay in the backyard or they go and, you know, just walk around the side of the house or what have you. But they were ready for the world versus dogs like my dogs that would, if the gates open, they're going to go out and run amok. And so it's a huge difference between um, releasing and launching, but both ways are hard. You just have to choose your hard. Well, for have you ever had one of your children say, would you, you know, say, we're just going to talk. I'm going to listen. Have you ever had one say no? Oh, 100%. I mean, even that example that I, I gave on the driveway, she was 
adamant that she was not going to say anything. And I was adamant that we were just going to wait there. I didn't know if it was going to end in a conversation or not, but I did know that it was not going to end with her being so angry and staunch, right? It maybe it could have ended with her just sitting there. And then you can see when the stress releases, when the anger releases, and maybe she would just sit there with me and be like, okay, I'm ready to go in now. It could have ended that way or, but it ended in a conversation, but yes, absolutely. Especially that one in particular, but you know, many times our kids, I don't want to talk. I don't want to do this. Okay. Why don't you want to talk right now? Can you give me an example or can you write it down? One of the a tactic and a tool that is so underused is journaling uh, between parents and kids because sometimes kids are just so angry about things, but they don't know exactly what they're angry about, right? Because that frontal lobe is not fully online. They're working in their limbic system and that's their, their go-to uh, system at that point. And so they don't even understand what they're fully angry about. And so writing it down and getting thoughts in an actual linear uh, fashion or linear manner, and then looking at it and being like, well, that's kind of silly. That's not really what I mean. I don't, you know, I didn't know why I was so angry because this is actually the issue. And peeling apart those layers is vital because she could be yelling at me or yelling at a sister, but what she's really upset about is that she got a C on an exam in class earlier today. So she feels guilty, she feels vulnerable, and she's just lashing out at everything. But you have to be able to see through the behavior and get to the root of what's happening in order to help them learn the lesson of, okay, so I get it. I understand that you're upset with yourself, the test or your teacher or what have you. The test wasn't what you thought it was going to be. So what can we do to better prepare for next time? Or what can you do to better prepare for next time? So, yeah, looking through those behaviors and not taking it so, so personally, which is devastatingly hard, <laughs> so hard as a parent to not take some of those things personally but when you understand the brain chemistry that's happening and the brain function that's happening that I know you know all so well, you know, understanding you won't understand because they are working on a different operating system than you are right now. And they are not just a smaller version of you or a smaller version of an adult that has that you know, cause and effect and logical thinking and critical thinking. They're building that, but it's not built yet. So once you can understand that you won't understand everything that they're thinking and doing and acting in their relationships, et cetera, you can have more grace in that and stay more calm to have to get to the root of the matter. Well, and I think, you know, that calm, that that brings in that P word, that patience. And mm-hmm. that's something that I see so many parents struggle with and it's and it's because they have so much on their plate and they're trying to manage it all. And sometimes we focus on the wrong thing. And but we're, we're trying so hard that we may not be able to see that's not really doing much for our child. So when parents are focusing on the wrong thing, how do you shift that focus to the right thing? Well, being open and honest. I mean, every day I find myself in moments that I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. But then I go and tell my kids, you know, 
that probably, or not probably, that wasn't the best reaction I could have had. I was focused on this because I too was overwhelmed with this, you know, outside thing that is happening that has nothing to do with you. And I took it out on you. I'm really sorry about that. You need to show them how to have accountability for actions so they learn how to have accountability for actions as well. So just shift it and it's okay. You don't want to, as a parent, one of the worst things that you could possibly do is try to be perfect. Because if you try to be perfect, then that's what your child is going to see you as, or they will see right through it. One of those two things will happen. And, but if they see you as this perfect person, they will feel like they need to be a perfect child. And of course, nobody is perfect. It's not attainable. And then Anytime that something happens that isn't up to a standard that they have or that they think you have for them, everything is going to crumble. And so just being open and honest and vulnerable, creating that resilience, getting in mental, emotional, and physical tools on board that can help you in your weaknesses and help promote your strengths is essential. But just being open and honest every day and being like, hey, sorry about that. I have met many children and grown uh, many children, but also grown adults and uh, talking about their childhood that their parents never once in the 65, 70, or sometimes thereafter have uttered the words, I'm sorry. And wow, that blows my mind. Oh no, it happens so often. I, they have never uttered the words, I'm sorry. Even just for like bumping into them at the at the refrigerator, right? Just something as small as that or some of the, you know, inevitable big things that happen in life where parents screw up sometimes and that's okay, right? It's okay because we're human, but having accountability for that and coming and being vulnerable and saying, you know what, I messed up. I'm really sorry. I should have done this. Next time I'm going to work toward doing this by doing these actions, right? then it teaches them to do the same thing so that they can come to you and you're an open door for them to come to when they mess up as well. So having that daily vulnerability, when they ask, hey, mom, how was your day? If they ask, be honest. Don't just say fine. Fine, I I call it one of the F words that we try to stay away from in the house. Fine, because fine could be it was good or fine could be it was terrible, but everything goes under the umbrella of fine. And so that's not a word that when I asked how school was, too, that I accept. Like, oh, well, what was good? What was bad? And if they if they struggle with that, you can even put some good, healthy parameters and boundaries around there and say, when you're in the car, when they get home and say, what are two great things that happened at school today? Right. It could be something, you know, sometimes you will have to uh, struggle and and they'll say, well, my pencil was sharpened. Awesome. That is great. You know, anything else? And sometimes it will be like, oh, I saw a friend in the hallway. You know, we're going to see each other this weekend and, you know, grab some lunch or whatever that is. But it just every child is different. Every relationship between you and your child is different. I have four daughters. My relationship with all four of them is very different. Um, but just being open and vulnerable to that. So what do you do in a situation where you're, one of your daughters has a friend that you really, really like, and but you don't get along with her parents? How do you, I mean, do you be humble and kind? Do you ignore it? What do you do? Well, 
when your child has a friend, you need to understand, like Jim, Jim Rohn, I love his teachings and things. He said, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So keeping an eye and an ear to the ground of who those people are in your child's life is really important because you want to know who are these people because that is who my child is becoming an average of or becoming closer to. And so... Sometimes, I mean, I know I work enough in in the world and in the community to know sometimes there's really good kids that come out of not so great parents, right? And it could be a case like that. But in that situation, just healthy boundaries. So, I mean, even my kids have had uh, friends that they have that... You know, she can absolutely come over here. We will have dinner. We can, you know, spend time with her, but you are not allowed to go over to her house, right? And so that's just healthy boundaries. And, you know, if it's ever asked of why, just say, oh, it's just a boundary that we have um, in our home, but you guys are more than welcome over here. And people, most of the time, many times at least, people are doing the best they can. So a lot of times those parents that, you know, are not uh, on an agreeable level with us for whatever reason, it's because something is happening or has happened in their life. And I think it's really important to just get to know people, get to know their story. And if I can even help their parents somehow, then I will do that. And we have been in that situation before. Um, that's that's so- such a great point, And it's a good way to end. We've got a couple of minutes left in the show. And I asked such a loaded question. I should have asked that earlier. <laughs> but in the couple of minutes that we've got left, it, it, for our listeners out there that want to learn more about, about you, you were part of an authoring a book, share some personal information so they know where to find you. Absolutely. So everything can be found uh, through my website, NellieHarden.com. So that's N-E-L-L-I-E-H-A-R-D-E-N.com. And I keep it all in one space. You can find our communities. You can find the book, No Problem Parenting. You can find uh, workshops. Um, The third edition of our Daughter Decoder is coming out uh, within the next week. And then um, also our our programs like Take the Lead uh, are all housed there. So you could just go there and find anything that you need. That is great. And the name of your business, is it the 6570 Family Project? It sure is. Yep. So I found that so interesting that that 6570 is the number of days before you turn 18. 18. Yeah. Well, Nellie, thank you so much for being with me today. It's been such a joy. You've put things in such easy, understandable terminology. And I'm not sitting here shaking my head going, "Mm, can't do that. I'm shaking my head. You're going, yeah, I could do that. And I'm also happy that I'm that that time for me is maybe past, <laughs> but <laughs> but I, who knows? Maybe I can do that in the role of a grandparent. So Absolutely. I can't I can't thank you enough, and and I appreciate you sharing your story, how you got in, interested in this, and sharing all your words of wisdoms. Thanks for being with me. Oh, thank you so much. Lee Richardson and the Brain Performance Center, we want to thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, 
visit us on iTunes, Google Play, Toginet, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and thebrainperformancecenter.com. Thank you.